Sunday Surefire, it's your co-host, Aaron Downtown Brown. That's right, I said co-host. Everyone's favorite villain, uh, Captain Carmen, is not able to join us this week. Uh, what do you know, man? I, all that slack I got during the season for when I took a vacation. and Man, this guy thinks he can take one left, left and right. I think, uh, I think everyone's heard my voice week in, week out, Mr. Carmen. You gotta... Priorities, man, priorities. So yes, knowing that, uh, we're going to go this week uh, without hearing uh, Com- Carmen's uh, Boston accent. And I'm going to spare mine. I know I, I don't think I I don't think I uh, fooled many listeners out there uh, with my my Boston accent uh, attempt last time. So I'm, I'm going to spare everyone that one. Uh, still a fun fun show. Um, I got a, got a few tricks up my sleeve. For everyone, um, I got actually two big surprises, two big announcements. That's gonna be fun in this uh, this episode. So stay tuned to that. I got a, a, a special guest interview that should be a, a fun one, and a new member of Sunday Surefire that you're gonna start hearing from or, or seeing. But I'll, I'll touch more on that a little bit, um, and then you know, kind of part two with a, a surprise as well. Uh, but before before we get to that and those interviews, I, I do want to kind of call out a little bit of a you know just activity over the week. You know, as free agency is winding down, you know a lot of that buzz is kind of slowing down, and now we're kind of looking more at you know draft. Um, you know, these next couple weeks, um, not a whole lot going on. Although there were you know a little bit of buzz over um, you know last time last episode, so. We did get a Devontae Parker trade over from Miami over to New England. Um, I think that's a good trade. I think that's actually, um, you know, he's a good um, red zone threat for the Patriots. I think he may be, you know, a good veteran to add um, add over there um, in New England. So, you know, I know he's had, you know, one of his claim to fame is he, he's one of the best receivers that contested balls. So, um, you know, Red zone threat, like I said, I, I think that's not a not a bad trade. Um, another another big one was Bobby Wagner. I know we talked about him a little bit last week, where we thought he was going to go, and what do you know, he went with the Rams. So, um, you know, Rams didn't retain Von Miller, but they got Bobby Wagner. So I I think that's actually a little bit of an upgrade there. Kind of, you know, captain that defense. We talked about all those layers they got with Aaron Donald, now Bobby Wagner, and then Ramsey in the backfield is. You know they're they're re-upping. They're definitely re-upping. So um, those are really the two biggest moves I kind of wanted to just call out. Um, we do have a couple other segments um, this this week where we're going to be talking dynasty talk more. You know we're going to be talking about strategies. Um, like I said, I, I have a guest. We're going to be talking about um, you know what what are we doing with some of these you know some of your your older veteran players and and the new and upcoming guys. What to do with them? What to think of them? Um, you know, come up with a few scenarios that happened last year to maybe kind of relate to, and see if we can come up with any for this year uh, that we think might be like a repeat uh, performance. So that's going to be a fun one. Um, I do apologize. You actually will get to hear Captain Carmen's voice here pretty soon. Um, we are going to throw in an MMA minute. I said, hey, at least record your your MMA talk. I'll get the rest. So. He, uh, we do have a little taste of uh, this upcoming fight card, which is a fun one. 
you know, a couple of, I actually got like the last three fights are some pretty big, big names there too. So I'm, I'm definitely interested, um, myself. So be fun to hear Carmen's MMA picks. Um, so yeah. So with that being said, we'll actually start off with that. You'll, you'll, you'll get to hear Carmen's, uh, MMA minute and then, uh, and then we'll continue. So without further ado, here's Carmen's MMA minute. Captain Carmen here. I got my MMA picks. Want to keep the hot streak going. So uh, I got a little bit creative this time around. I got two parlays. One is only a plus 436 because I'm heavy on the favorites. So I'll get into it a little bit here. Uh, the one dog I'm taking in the first parlay is Madsen. Look, he's an Olympic wrestler going against a guy, Pachelle, who's the favorite who only has 25% takedown defense. That is a recipe uh, in which Madsen, who's an elite wrestler, should be able to take advantage of that situation and win that match. He's a plus 110. Uh, I got Jarzinho Rosenstruck. He's a minus 150 in the second leg of the parlay. Uh, he's a knockout artist. I think uh, Tybor is going to try to stand with him, which is going to be a big mistake, and he'll probably end up getting knocked out. Um, and then I got Ian Gary. This is like Conor McGregor 2.0. He's the newest, hottest, greatest thing. Got a lot of power for a small weight guy, similar to what McGregor had when he came up. Um, both from Ireland. He's, uh, I think he wins this fight. He's a minus 365. Finally, the last leg of the race, I mean last leg of the parlay, uh, Hamza Chemaev, minus 490. Now, I know that's a big number, and he's going against Gilbert Burns, which is kind of crazy that Chemayev is a, is a minus 490 favorite or against the number two ranked welterweight in the world. But I think Chemayev is that good. I think he's that good. I think he dominates Gilbert Burns and then calls for a title shot or a fight against Leon Edwards to determine who's going to fight Kamara Usman for the title. Now, if you don't like that probably because there's so many heavy favorites and it's only a plus 436, I do have an interesting way in which you can make the odds better. So, let's get into it. Jarzinho Rosenstroke, I said he's a knockout artist. Let's say you bet him to win by KO or TKO. He then becomes a plus 120, right? Same with Ian Gary. Once again, bet him to win KO, TKO, it becomes a plus 110. Hamza Chemaev, same thing. You bet him to win by KO or TKO, it becomes a plus 165. And then Mackenzie Dern, that's the last one. Last leg of this this parlay. We'll call this uh, the the UFC parlay of <laughs> how the match is going to go. Um, Mackenzie Dern is a plus 250 if you bet her to win by submission. She's a submission artist. When I say artist, that's not even giving her just, doing her justice. She's elite, like elite, like world champion world-class jiu-jitsu she's going against tisha torres who's a wrestler i think it plays right into her hands and i think she wins by submission so you got two routes to go you can go with the heavy favorites parlay it's only a plus 436 or you can take those same fighters but decide on how they're going to win or you just mix up both but those are my picks for mma this week i think we're going to keep that winning streak alive i think i'll do well I'm out. Peace. 
All right, yes, so that was Carmen's MMA Minute. So big uh, big weekend of fights coming up. You know, we did have that off week. Um, you know, and I recommend, you know, ride ride the wave. Ride the wave with us, with Carmen. And I, I know I'd kind of just jump on his picks and play around with a couple scenarios. But, yeah, definitely parlaying. Um, you know, I liked his approach where, you know, if you don't, if you want to get a little more risky on a couple – on a separate parlay, you know, try to get a little more exact over the type of win, you know, it, whether it's by submission or TKO, you know, that'll that'll bring up your odds a little bit if you if you're looking for that higher payout. Um, so that's always a good good route to go go with. And um, I Carmen, you know, he started off pretty hot. He's he's over sixty percent um, in MMA and a you know in a league that it can go anybody's way. So if you're over half. Especially in the world of uh, gambling, that's that's a win. You know, that's what I, I've always said. If I can, you know, um, if I'm above fifty percent in my in my betting, it's it's usually good. Especially when you're throwing in parlays in there, that that's kind of, you know, that kind of puts you ahead of the game a little bit. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna root root for Carmen's guys, and you know, I kind of believe with uh, you know if you root if you kind of bet together, you win together. So um, let's let's go that route. All right, so moving right along, I did mention that I got two big announcements, um, and I'm going to, uh, I guess I'll get right to it. All right, so it may some of you may have already known, um, we have a website now, all right? So you, you can go to sundaysurefire.com uh, with all of our fun. You know, all of our episodes are on there. But but we, what we did figure out, you know, when we are making this, when we were making this website, we we're like, hey, you know, we don't want to just have podcast episodes on uh, our website. What else do we need? And not uh, none other than uh, a blog, right? So we need to have articles. And, uh, you know, Carmen and I were talking, we we're like, man, who's going to be a, our blogger? You know, who's going to write these uh, episodes? And we, we both knew it. We we're like, hey, we got to get the commish, right? The commish. And, uh, it's kind of funny. You, you'll you'll see. That's actually my my second surprise. Is we're gonna get the commish on on air with this too, and you'll kind of get introduced who the commish is, right? All this mystery um, over you know who he is, his background a little bit. You'll get some good insider knowledge, and um, I think it'll be good. It'll be a good relationship where you know you can you know join uh, join SundaySureFire.com listen to an episode or, you know, take some material. You know, a lot of people don't always have time to, uh, you know, listen to our show all, all the time. Or, you know, if they got more, you know, if you want to get like a five-minute read in, there you go. We, we got blog, blogging going on now. So we're going to be in the in that world. So, um, you know, without further ado, um, I'm going to introduce the commish. Kamish. Aaron, how's it going? How are we doing, sir? Good, man. How, how are you? Oh, we're hanging in there. Doing well, thanks. Really appreciate you having me on here tonight. I know. I, it, it occurred to me that um, I think this may be, this was the first time we actually ever got to speak, um, you know, uh, hear, hear your voice. You know, this is first, first for me here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We've uh, played in leagues together for a few years now and communicated mostly via, via group chats, but uh, Yes, yeah, nice to hear your voice for the first time. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny when you think of it uh, that way. I, I was thinking the the other day, like, you know, it, it it's funny. Like some some of the guys in the league, I I've spent like 
you know, maybe like hours talking about trades and stuff, but I haven't even like met them and, you know, in person, it's, it's kind of funny how that happens, but um, yeah, definitely fun. Um, you know, I guess for the listeners out there, you know, I kind of, and actually just to let you know, I kind of gave a pretty big uh, mystery for your introduction, meaning like, who is this guy? I kind of just got done saying, um, you know, Hey, we, we got a new website and uh, you know, one of our biggest ideas was to start a blog and uh, your mind or you're, you're pretty much the first name that came to Carmen and I's head and say, Hey, we think we got the, the perfect perfect guy i think that that may you know may may be great for this role and then to you know add some deep some some content to our website and into blogging and and then also to have you here on the show so welcome to sunday surefire and um yeah so do you do you want to do you want to touch on why we called you the commish yeah for sure and that's uh that's high praise coming from coming from the two of you guys um so i'll try to i'll do i'll do my best to live up to the to the hype, but, um, yeah, uh, I, I go by commission. I've been called that for, for many, many years now, actually, by, uh, various people that I, I play with over the years. Um, I currently commission four leagues at the moment. Uh, two of them are dynasty leagues, two of them are redraft leagues. And I, you know, I, I just eat, sleep, live, breathe for, for dynasty 24 seven and the 365 element that comes with it. And, you know, I, I really enjoy every step of the process and I, and I can't wait to, to uh, get the blogging for you guys and it's, it's going to be fun. Oh yeah. No, I think so too. And then, you know, for the listeners out there, like your, your league is a, you know, I'm, I'm fairly new to dynasty. You know, I kind of, I jumped right in. I was all about it when, you know, Carmen talked, you know, talked to me about it mm-hmm. and um, you know, that your league is uh, the first league I, I jumped in for, for dynasty. So, you know, think obviously that's, that's a fun one, but um yeah, I just want to call that out that you're 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 my commish specifically <laughs> specifically. So it's don't, kind of fun. Don't you forget that. That's right. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. So I thought we could kind of uh, touch on your newest article on our website, um, titled "You Know Vets versus the Old Guards." Right. Yeah, that's right. Yep, dropped on um, on Sunday night. Yes. Yes. So. Um, why don't you take a little bit of time to just kind of describe what the premise of the article is about, and then uh, we can maybe expand on it here, here after that. Sure. Yeah. At a, at a high level, it's um, really just a, a write up on, on the different ways you can fill out your, your dynasty roster and how there's not necessarily one, one way to skin a cat in dynasty. Now there's multiple avenues that you can go and, you know, we sort of just touched on the, the different, the different ways that you can go about building your roster, whether it's, um, you know, you're going for a full blown youth movement, whether you want to kind of push all your chips into the middle and use your future assets and young players to grab some of those established vets that can score points for you right now. And just kind of some of the, um, you know, some of the right, the right timing of when to do that. And also hit on some of the guys that were kind of good value plays around this time last year and last off season that paid off for, dynasty managers who grab those guys during the 2021 offseason and also a couple of guys that are that are hopefully gonna gonna fall into that same category this year going forward nice nice yeah so um you know i think that's a good idea to kind of you know i think we'll get we'll we'll probably touch on you know a couple of those hints or you know a couple guys this that are in those positions this year but um 
you know, how, how about we back it up a little bit to, to kind of describe just kind of your thoughts on, you know, what, you know, I know you kind of broke it up into, you know, you, you broke up like a case for the youth and a case for kind of the veteran players. And um, why don't you start with like the youthful guys or the rookies, the kind of the newbies in the year in the, in the league. And, you know, what are your overall thoughts if you're, you're trying to, you're trying to build just solely off of the youth? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the first things that you learn when you play dynasty is that it's, it's, the long term absolutely matters. And that's where it really differs from your traditional redraft league, where you draft a team and then you throw it back after four months when the season's over. Um, and in that format, you can kind of stomach having a ton of older guys on your roster. And it's not it's not really that big of a deal versus Dynasty, where the longer the runway a player has to score points for you, the longer they're going to hold their value. And value can mean a couple of different things. It could mean scoring points in your lineup, which is great or it could mean value in trades to other league members. Um, and of course it's kind of pretty much goes without saying, if you can acquire abundance of youth in your dynasty league, if you can get, you know, the Jamar chases of the world, Justin Jefferson's Najee Harris, Jonathan Taylor, Kyle Pitts, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen on your roster, you can, you really can write your own ticket and what you want to do with your, with your dynasty league, because those guys, you can not only plug them into your lineup for the foreseeable future and score points and probably be competing for titles every single year. But if you, if you decide to, you can take one of the one or two of those guys and you can flip them out to your other league members because they have that name recognition. They have the, the pedigree of scoring points and, and they also have the, the, the ability to continue to do so for, for the long haul, you know, Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen aren't going anywhere any, anytime soon. And uh, it's probably going to be the same case for Justin Jefferson and, and Jamar Chase. Um, so, you know, if, you, if you're able to roster a bunch of those guys, that really is the best case scenario. If you can have a few of those, what I referred to in the article as unicorns on your team, those guys that they're, they're just really is just a, a great degree of scarcity on those guys. And the more you can put on your team, the better off you're going to be both week to week scoring points and making deals with your league mates. Yeah, no, that, that's a good way of point, putting it. You know, I think – now, what's interesting to me is, you know, when you're making those decisions and, you know, if we if we talk to some listeners out there to like make a new league, you know, some some people might be having their dynasty startup, you know, if they're adding a league or there might be year two or, or something like that. But really on a like a startup, you're making all, a lot of those decisions like right away in your first draft. Right. Like how much how much does that impact position in the draft you are? Um you know, I know there can be a lot of pre-draft trades and whatnot to get in the position, um, you know, you, you want to be in. But, like, how much of that, like, just comes where, you know, where you land in draft position? Or just how much of that is just what your frame of mind is? Like, do you go into the draft saying, hey, I want to get some of these Jamar Chase guys, you know, some players like that knowing, hey, maybe year one um, – might you might not be the the championship team but like year two three you're going to be you're going to be a force to be reckoned with sure yeah that's another really really interesting uh way of looking at it in terms of how you attack a startup draft and as someone who's, who's partaken in startup drafts a number of them at this point um i i the only really strategy i go in there with is and this is kind of the case for redraft leagues as well. I don't want to lose my dynasty league or my redraft league in the first couple of rounds because these are the guys that you can acquire and you're going to build your, your team around. 
And ideally, it's going to be for at least a three-year window. When we're talking about the first, second, maybe even the third round. You know, these are the guys where everyone's getting good players in this round. So I don't want to go, go too crazy there. I, I, want to, I want young players who I think are going to be good for the long run. And then from there, I kind of just let the draft board fall to me. And it's easier for a seasoned dynasty player to go in there and say, okay, the value seems to be on moving back in the startup draft and collecting additional value, whether that be more startup picks later on or future rookie picks. And it's really hard when you first start to understand the value of those rookie picks, especially when you're trying to move around the board in a startup draft. Um, Because it's really easy to get carried away and and kind of flip those out for, for known commodities, particularly when you get towards the middle rounds of, of those startup drafts. But to answer your original question, I, I, I like to come in with that basic mindset in the beginning of getting those safe assets that I can build my team around. And then I just let the board fall to me and and wherever the value is, that's where I'm willing to go. No, that, that makes sense. That, that definitely makes sense. And maybe it's actually might be a good like segue into like talking about the reverse over it where, you know, how much, you know, when to buy on, on some of the veteran guys too. So like whether you're in a startup or you have, you know, you're in a couple of years in and you start having these veteran players, um, you know, what type of choices do you make where, you know, you want to, you want to select them or you want to trade for a veteran, you know, what, what kind of goes through your mind when you're, when you're choosing the the guys with a little bit more experience? Sure. And, um, you know, I, we started off by saying that dynasty is, is a long-term game and long-term game rather. And it's really, it's really important to keep that, that long-term vision in mind. But when everyone starts doing that, it creates a buying opportunity for the older players who have been in the league for, for a long period of time. And I, I did some research here for the, for the article I was writing, but it, I, I looked, went back and looked at the receivers that finished in the top 24 in uh, full PPR formats, receivers and running backs. And it was really interesting when I was, when I was doing this exercise, because your average dynasty manager will tell you how important that youth is. And, and they're not wrong about that for sure. But what I found is that veteran players can, they can win you dynasty leagues just like young players can. And it was really interesting when I, when I looked at wide receivers, you typically want to, the, the normal dynasty mindset is that you want to try to move away from those guys as they enter their late twenties. For the purposes of, of this argument, I drew the line at age 28. Whereas running backs, they kind of hit that value cliff a little bit sooner. And, and I use the age 26 uh, as the kind of the, the typical time frame that you want to move away from a dynasty running back for to kind of kick kind of kick that can down the road and get some additional value. And in full PPR scoring from 2021, 50% of the WR1s were 28 or older. And you compare that to the, the running back position, 58% of them were 26 or older. So half of the top scoring receivers are we're in that range of okay, you maybe you want to think about moving on from them. And over half of the running backs that finished in the top 12 were, were in that category as well. And so it's just kind of – it was a good exercise to go through because it's it's good to, to keep in mind that while you want youth and you want to be good in the long run, you can't you can't completely write off the veteran players. And I think the best teams have a mix of both the, the younger guys who are going to be good for the long run and the vets that can help you right now. Yeah. I think that – I think that's – you know, you, you made some great points. And that's kind of like, you know, even – when I was going into and I was trying to learn, you know, values on, on guys, what, what I find out in some of the leagues. Um, and then you may, you may even know, you know, in our league too, where like, 
some guys, you know, when they take a look at a guy that's over like 26 or what you said, like, you know, 28 year old running back, like they, they want to puke, right? Like they don't even want to entertain the idea of, of having that guy on the team, which it's funny. Cause you know, like if, if the right situation comes where you get one of those guys, like you said, they, that's, they can put up some, you know, put up some production. So um, I definitely think, you know, I, I like looking at it as well, like, like, like real football, really, in a way to say like, hey, if you have some of these older guys, like, what does your bench look like? Do you have, can you, do you have a plan that's like immediately, you know, can kind of naturally like flow into season after season where you're kind of planning your moves where let's say trades didn't even exist. Like you got a couple backup plans that you're ready to, you know, fire from the hip with, um, you know, I think that's kind of a, that's kind of my strategy I've done with a couple things too, to say like, Hey, I know I'm probably going to make some trades, but like, if I want some of those veteran players, okay. But like, do I have some youth maybe where next year they're in prime position to be a starter or something like that? But I don't know your thoughts on, on that strategy. If you, if you use that strategy as well, but I kind of look at it in, in that, from that, you know, point of view of like, kind of like a real GM, like a real team building, you know, building your depth and your, and your bench players. Absolutely. And that, and that's the fun of dynasty really that you just kind of referenced there at the end is it truly does give you the opportunity to be uh, the closest thing or the closest thing you're ever going to be to an NFL GM. Um, and it, it can be difficult. You know, it's, it sounds easy to sit there and, and just pick players and, you know, figure out who's going to be the next great thing, but it's difficult and it's really hard to get that, to get it right all the time. And you gotta, you gotta think on your feet. Sometimes you really are out there shooting from the hip and, and to be good at the, that is a skill. You know, if you can, if you can find a way to find guys that are undervalued and plug them into your lineup and score points, that's great. But I think having the long-term plan is, is, is kind of the way to go uh, and sprinkling in those veteran guys. Um, it was definitely helpful. Right. Right. You know, I think, um, you know, you, you might, might've mentioned, I think, uh, you, you might have some good examples that might, you know, put, you know, that we can maybe reference from like this time, you know, we're, we're a couple of weeks away from the draft, uh, this year in 2022. But I think if we like rewind the clocks a little bit to last year, um, you know, you may have a couple examples of either trades or, um, players, you know, that are kind of in these positions and say, Hey, what do you do if you have this player, you want this player? Um, do, do you want to spend some time on, on them? Yeah, absolutely. And the timing aspect of it that you brought up is, is so important too, because like you referenced, we're about three weeks away from the 2022 NFL draft. And at this time of year and immediately following the NFL draft, that's when the rookie fever really has reached, you know, the, the peak of its hype. And as you know, now playing dynasty for a few years, it's, it's so hard to acquire rookie picks at this time of year, because you get, the, you know, you get the combine coming up, you have teams being linked to different players and there really is a buzz in the air, but when it's hard to, to buy those, those rookie picks, the, the value swings back to it being a good time to buy some of those, those NFL veterans who might be a little bit longer in the tooth, but can still help you. And if we re we rewind the clocks around a year ago, um, there's, there's a list of guys here that you can that you could have acquired relatively cheaply. I broke them up into a couple different categories. If you were kind of looking to go more the cheaper route and you wanted to spend, say, a second round pick or even later in some cases, you could have grabbed guys like uh, James Conner 
Leonard Fournette, Damian Harris, Melvin Gordon, uh, James Robinson, Miles Gaskin, Elijah Mitchell. You know, those type of guys were relatively cheap. Some in some cases they weren't even on some dynasty dynasty managers' radars this time of year. Um, I don't know about you, but I wasn't standing on the table for Elijah Mitchell in the pre-draft process. <laughs> no, I think Trey Sherman was the the main buzz at this time. Yes, absolutely. And if you're like me and you're holding on to some of those Trey Sherman shares, you're you're not too happy with his performance thus far. <laughs> um, and that's true for the wide receiver position as well. You know, we had guys really pop this year. Guys like Hunter Renfro out in Vegas, Tyler Lockett, uh, Brandon Cooks, St. Brown, and and obviously Cordero Patterson kind of came out of nowhere after a really a really dormant career to, to this stage when then he just kind of popped onto the scene in 2021 and, and it really helps some teams win. Yeah, no, that definitely, I think we brought up Patterson last week too. Like I was kind of, you know, I was, I actually was a Patterson like sell favorite by saying like, Hey, it might be a good time. You know, we're talking about timing and drafting, like, you don't know, like you never know if, if if the Falcons end up drafting a running back, you know, he may turn into that third down back. So like that was kind of, you know, one little, um, you know, thing that I, you know, that I said last week that, you know, I'm not sure if you agree with it, but it may tie into what we're talking about with timing wise, where like some people may be like really hungry for a running back. And right now he's number one running back on the depth chart for Atlanta. You know, they just, they re-upped them in free agency too, but you know, it's it's almost like a gamble. Like, do you want that 30-year-old 30 30 running back? Um, or do you have a hunch that Atlanta may possibly go running back in the in the draft that may split time? So um I don't know. I don't know your overall thoughts on Patterson, if you kind of like that advice or not. Yeah, my my uh my brief take on Cordero Patterson is that I want him as far away from my dynasty roster as I can get him. <laughs> um and I think any NFL team with a 30-year-old running back maybe not named Frank Gore is um is probably looking to probably looking at the long term the long term in that position and coming to the realization that maybe we'll have this guy on our team for this year. But uh you know down the road that he's certainly not going to be our guy and, and that that value can evaporate overnight if they spend even a, a day two pick on a running back. And so that that's another thing you gotta be mindful of in Dynasty. You, you know you can't as good as it is to have these producers who are older on your team, you, sometimes you just got to cut bait and take the best offer on the table. Right. Right. So I guess knowing that, like when we're talking about like what to do in a lot of scenarios where like, you know, when to, when to like buy in on some of these vets um, and when, you know, when to sell them, you know, what, what's your, what's your recommendation over timing on, on, on some of those guys? Yeah. I want to, I want to try to buy the vets now um, while I can around this time of year while when the draft's coming up and, but on the other side of that coin, if I'm holding on to some of these vets that I that I don't maybe not necessarily want to want to get some value for, I want to get some value back for these guys. I'm waiting until closer to to the season to do that, and the reason is because you know we we play dynasty and we, and we love it and we're invested in it at 365. But the reality is, a lot of our league mates uh, out there are playing redraft as well, and those drafts take take place typically towards the end of August, maybe even the first week of September if you're doing it right up against the start of the season. And as these guys start doing their, their redraft prep, they see guys, older, older players that are still being drafted in the first round of redraft, which is an indicator that they're going to score points for you right now. And it's easy this time of year to sit there when the next NF, meaningful NFL game is in for another five months to overvalue youth, uh, youth and picks. But as the, as the season gets closer, 
maybe some of these uh, other dynasty owners in your league have made some good decisions and they think their their time to win is right now. And maybe at one point they were reluctant to pay up for a guy like maybe a Dalvin Cook who turns 27 this season. Um, throughout the offseason, maybe they didn't want that guy, but now they, they're looking at their roster and looking around the league and thinking, hey, you know, if I can go get Dalvin Cook on this team, maybe I can make a run this year. And that's the time where, where you unload those veteran players. Makes complete sense because I think, as you mentioned a little bit ago, that, you know, right now it's, it's, it's rookie hype season, like you said. Like it, it, it's similar to like a lot of things in, in the world where, you know, trends and different, different stuff where the trend is the rookie draft, right? So like your veteran guys aren't too appealing to other, other league mates. But yeah, like you said, you know, when the rookie drafts over and then once you start seeing, you know, actual workouts and you start seeing, Hey, they, you know, what you may think is going to be like a, a day one starter might be a, you know, prove it rookie, you know, where he might not start off as a starter. They start coming back down to reality. They're saying, Oh, you know, like it's great talent, but, um, you know, maybe, maybe I got to start looking for some vets again. So uh, I kind of like that point that, that you made with that, where, you know, maybe you want to hold on to some of your vets, but once, you know, I, I think it, like you said, it's kind of back and forth where like, if there's some that you're anxious to get rid of, like for me, it's like the Cordero Patterson, you know, if you want to get rid of some, you can, but you know, like holding on to some of those high profile guys, you know, like, like you said, that might be the, the, the way to go. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think, I think it's a double-edged sword as well. I think I, I agree with everything that you just said, but there are, there are certainly times with those veteran players where you can get yourself in trouble too. You know, there's a lot of time in the off in the in the NFL offseason for you to take a good roster and tinker with it to the point where where you're hurting yourself for the upcoming season. And I, a few examples here um, of, uh, of of guys who who were really good last year, and I have some. Um, some comps that they were actually traded for. These are trades that actually went down in some of our some of our leagues. Um, the first one here is this is this uh, this number ten guy he plays for the Rams. I can't think of his name. Uh, oh yeah, Cooper Cup. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that guy was pretty good if you if you had him on your your fantasy roster last season. Um, this so the first the the trade example I have here is uh, around last April. Uh, Cooper Cup was traded for Rashad. I'm sorry, it was Cooper Cup and Rashad Penny for Jalen Rager. <laughs> yes, I I remember that one. Uh, that would be me, right? I were you involved in that one? I, I think that was me. Yes, yes. Oh, <laughs> That's sorry. hilarious. You about that? Yeah. Forget. Yeah. No, I ended up getting Cooper Cup and Penny for, and I had Rager. Actually, that was that was me. I traded Rager away for those two. <laughs> That's funny. Gotcha. About I, that was... specifically, obviously, Cup's a high-profile name, but the owner that you traded with. Um, he's not some rookie. He's not he's new to dynasty. This is, you know, the guy, the guy you made this deal with is a, a multiple time dynasty champion. His opinion, I, I really do respect very highly. And, you know, even, even the best dynasty managers can make, make moves like this with so much time to think about these guys. And you say, oh, Rager didn't have a great first year, but you know, he's still, you know, he, he could be the number one affiliate this year. Cup's getting older. I'm not going to be able to sell him a year from now. And, and then you, then you just add Rashad Penny in, into that, into that deal who ended up being a league winner at the end of the year. And, you look back on a trade like that a year later and you just, and you just hate it. If you, if you're the one who sent cup and penny up the door. Yeah, no, it is funny. I know if you actually keep going on that, uh, that history of trading, I, I, I still uh, ended up shooting myself in the foot. Cause I, I then actually then traded Cooper cup again for, I want to say Galladay. And uh, I think it wasn't a one for one, but I think I had a trade where it was like Cooper cup 
and Jimmy Garoppolo for like, oh, Galladay, and I can't remember who else I got. But it's funny, I ended up trading away the best wide receiver after that too. So I, I screwed up right after I made a what's perceived to be a pretty good trade. <laughs> yeah, and, and sometimes you just don't you just don't know what you have, and you know, so the the next deal is is really enticing, and you want to make that one and. Another another thing I, I live by here with Dynasty is sometimes the, the best trades are the ones that you don't make. And it sounds like in this case you you wish you hadn't made that one. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That yeah, the Cooper Cup could have definitely uh definitely would have would have made it interesting. You know, I, I could have been a two time champ there. <laughs> gotcha. For yeah, absolutely. And a couple the next name on the list was uh was Keenan Allen. Was traded in, I believe it's one of the leagues that we play in together. He was traded uh, in the pre at the end of the preseason for uh, a 2022 first. And Keenan Allen, uh, a little bit longer in the tooth. He was uh, 29 years old last season, and he finished as the WR11. Um, this guy's not necessarily a rock star producer who's going to finish in the top five, but he's linked to a really good quarterback, and his game should age well. Keenan Allen's one of those tacticians who's relies more so on route running than, than speed to get open. So you know, you're able to send a first, 2022 first out the window at the time it was a year, a year in advance. And you're able to pick up a guy who's going to, going to be a, a weekly start in your lineup for the next probably two to three years. Yeah. That's a good example. I think right there of like, you know, what it, it'd be interesting to know, like, you know, what kind of, you know, we talk about like what kind of positions those owners were in, like, are, are they, you know, I I, lo- I personally love Keenan Allen. You know, not obviously not as a Chiefs fan, but as a as a player, like he's always put up numbers. He's I think he's a very undervalued just from a not in the fantasy world, but also just in the NFL world. I think you know he should be credited up there as one of the top wide receivers. He just doesn't get that that love. So, um, as you said, like whoever came away with Allen, you know, got pretty good um, you know good product out of it. Yeah, for sure. It, it was a good year one, and I, I, at this point in time, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be good moving forward. Um, unlike this next guy on the list, um, he uh, the next name is Ezekiel Elliott, who did finish on the RB, RB7 on the season uh, at, during his age 26 campaign. Um, but this is a guy where you had him. He was great for you the first month or two of the year. Um, so overall, he was worth acquiring for uh, the return that went down in one of our leagues. It was Zeke for Kenny Galladay and it ended up being a late 2022 first round pick. Yeah. Yeah. Zeke, that if you're looking back at that season where like, yeah, he wasn't, I think, you know, he, he had a couple good games. I, I think, you know, he, a couple multi-touchdown games, but yeah, overall he wasn't putting up like the Zeke numbers that you were really hoping for last year as well. So like it, he's an interesting guy, you know, I, I, I think, you know, even in the other league, I, I know that you and I had a trade where we traded for uh, why I ended up getting Zeke, taking him from me. So, like, I, I'm not, you know, I don't know the, the you know, what, what his future fully is. Um, I think he's still got some, you know, some left in his tank. But, yeah, he, he's kind of approaching those days where, you know, he's got a pretty pretty good young running back right right with him, too. Yeah, for sure. And I, like I said, we, we made this, that trade just a couple of months ago. So heading into the 2022 season, I want to say the crux of that deal was Zeke for 109 and maybe another second tossed in there, um, which it which really does highlight a good example of, of when to get out on a running back where if you, if you rewind a couple of years ago, two, three years ago, 
the, the, the even thought of trading Zeke for a late first round pick would, would have been grounds for, <laughs> grounds to veto that trade in the league. You know, guys like that go for in their, in their prime, they go for three plus first round picks and they're essentially untouchable. If you have any, any designs on competing that season. And, but you know, they, they, the wheel of dynasty goes fast and these guys, these guys age out and it just got to the point where Zeke Elliott could hit, could easily have another solid year or two, but sometimes you just got to get out a year early rather than a year too late. Yep. Yep. That's definitely a, definitely good. Um, good example there. Um, what do you think for this year? Do you have any, um, you know, uh, hot takes for, for some players to, to buy for, for this year? Any, um, any recommendations or anything you got that, that, you know, you want, you want to talk about for, for a similar position in, in this year? Sure. Yeah. It's easy to talk about the guys that, that were good in the past. Uh, it's much, uh, much more difficult to, to predict the future uh, with anything. And the dynasty is no exception to that. But I do have a couple of names here. I'm going to do a, uh, a full blog post about this coming up here in the next week or two. Uh, some of my, my, my good veteran dynasty buys, but I'll tease I'll give you a couple of them here. Uh, and the first one is uh, Miles Sanders from the Philadelphia Eagles. He was RB 44 overall in 2021 in full PPR scoring. Um, and if you had Miles Sanders on your team last year, you're probably ready to shut this podcast off. Um <laughs> because he probably torpedoed one of your leagues. And the big reason why he was such an under, under, uh, underperformer for your team was one injury. And two, he also uh, had a really hard time finding the end zone last season. Aaron, do you want to take a stab at how many touchdowns Miles Sanders scored last year? Ooh, I don't know. It's three, maybe three. That's a solid guess. Uh, you're, that's about three too many. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. I knew it was low, but not, not that low. Yeah, Miles my, my Sanders did not find the end zone uh, in the 2021 campaign at all, which, you know, it, it's nice to, to get a lot of touches, but, you know, those those money touches inside the five-yard line and, and scoring, you know, in the scoring area really can cause you to cause you to win leagues or win weeks, rather. Um, but the reason Miles Sanders is appears on this list for me is because his value is, is really is at, really at an all-time low at any point in his career. And he plays a position, position of running back, which is – as you know, is is probably the the most scarce position, certainly in a one QB format. It's, it's the most scarce position um, in Dynasty. And when injuries pile up, these guys are are guys that you want to have to plug into your team. In fact, in, in 2021, while he didn't find the end zone, and that really hurt people, he was actually tied for second in the league in yards per carry among running backs who touched the ball for, for 130 carries. So the yards per carrier there. Every time he touched the, you know, every time he touched the ball, he was he was making things happen with it. Obviously, in year one of uh, under Nick Sirianni, he brought a more of a, a balanced running attack from with a, from a committee standpoint. Guys like Kenny Gainwell and the corpse of Jordan Howard were were trotted out there last <laughs> season, uh, which was frustrating. But I think for for a guy like Jalen Hurts, if if they want to take some pressure off of their young quarterback and maybe get him away from running for his life on every single play, though I think the logical move there is to hand the ball to a guy like a Miles Sanders who you know he's shown that when you give him when you give him the rock he can he can do good things with it and Miles Sanders is also walking into a contract year uh, he's a free agent heading into the 2023 season and it would behoove the Eagles to at least see what they have in this guy you know is this a guy that we want to make a commitment to beyond this season and if it works out great maybe they look to keep him and if it doesn't they just move on um, but I want to bet on guys that I can get for a relatively reasonable cost who I think have a shot at producing if they 
if they're given the opportunity. Yeah, that's um, that's a good take. You know, like I, I think Miles Sanders. You know, he's still young. He's still, you know, by calling out that yards per carry. You know, he's still got talent. You know, it's not like he's not going anywhere. Um, you know, it's interesting to remember. You know, how many touchdowns Hurts had last year? I think he had. What do you have? Like eight? I want to say eight rushing touchdowns or something like that. Yeah. Um. There you go. Something like that to where you know Philly was running the ball. They just as you said, unfortunately, you know, Sanders didn't get as, as many scores. You know, I, I think that's just kind of the – just how the how it went last year a little bit. But their their rushing offense did really well. And as you mentioned, he also got hurt. Um, so I like that play there of, you know, that's a perfect time where his stock's probably a little low. Uh, you know, some of the owners out there are probably, you know, pretty mad uh, that they had him last year. So they're probably anxious to sell him. So – that's probably a good call. You know, I'm not going to really like argue with that. You know, like I think since he does have that talent, um, like you said, contract years are usually big for players. They, they, they know they, they got to, you know, put up, <laughs> put up, or it might be the, towards the end of their career, you know? So if they have a good, good year. I think Philly, as you said, Philly's going to continue to run the ball, I believe. So, um, yeah, no, I, I, I definitely like that take. Um, I, I definitely like that take overall. Yeah, and the other thing too, I NFL teams say a lot of things. NFL GMs and NFL coaches, they they say a lot of things, and a lot of the times they're 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 liars. You know, they don't they don't tell you what they what they actually mean. So, I, I one thing I've learned throughout the my fifteen year fantasy career is, is to follow their actions, not so much the words that they say. And this offseason, um, they haven't really done a lot to change their skill groups. Um, Devonta Smith is going to slot in there as the as their top receiver um, and Jalen Rager is still hanging around by, you know, by a thread maybe, but he's <laughs> in the mix, not, not going to be a guy they really lean on a ton. And, and Dallas Goddard's a really solid tight end, but I don't think he's got quite the, you know, that top three or so fantasy ceiling where he's going to be just this massive target hog. So you got a couple of guys there that are really solid, but I don't see a ton of, a ton of pass attempts here from the Eagles offense here. At least they haven't made it a priority in free agency thus far. The draft could change that, but typically some of these, these receivers, they take a while to develop and Philly has reached into the receiver pool in each of the last two drafts, spending early draft capital on, on Smith and Rager in recent years. So I think there's kind of a natural shift maybe to, to focus on another position from there, which would lead to more carries for, for the running backs. And I think Sanders could be a big benefactor there. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think we, I think we like also touch on it sometimes. Like you want to, you want to try to search out talent. You want to kind of search out like the right situation. So I think he's still in a good situation where he's just starting back over there. They do mix in a couple of running back by committees over there. They kind of steal a couple of touchdowns from Sanders. So he was probably like, you know, probably stolen a few from either Jordan Howard or, uh, Gainwell got a couple, and I, I can't think. I don't know why I can't think of the his his handcuff right now. Uh, they just re re signed him. Um, what's his name? Scott Boston Scott. Boston Scott. That's guy. who it is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, combination of those guys. It's sometimes it's just unfortunate, but like when you really look at, it, I think like you said, talents there. They're going to run the ball. That division. It's not like it's like a you know a powering defensive division either too so um yeah you gotta you gotta kind of look at you you would think that Ertz is going to be a little more 
efficient in another year too. So like he's going to maybe feel a little more comfortable checking down, giving the Sanders, which he's good at catching the ball too. So um, he may bounce back with a good year. I kind of, I kind of like that take. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I was really high on Sanders going into the, um, the 2022 season, especially for the value you can get him at. And for this, this next one here, while, while I was doing my Miles Sanders research, it actually reminded me a lot of, of, the, of this next guy I'm going to mention here in that uh, when this guy started his career, he also uh, went, uh, he had a number of carries, over 200 touches to be exact, without finding the end zone himself. And that guy's Melvin Gordon. Um, and I know, you know a lot of season dynasty owners hearing this will say, oh, Melvin Gordon, I don't want a 29-year-old running back anywhere near my dynasty, especially, you know, with the draft being of just a few weeks away here. Uh, but he's a guy that who he's had his, his detractors in the past. Uh, he finished as an RB2 last season, splitting work almost evenly with Javante Williams. It's pretty clear they have designs on Javante being their long-term answer at running back. But the the Broncos, as as the world knows at this point, they made a number of moves this offseason to really contend out there in the AFC West. And if they are able to bring Melvin Gordon back, it, it's not going to be as, you know, a guy who comes in and gets, you know, five touches a game here. He's going to have, he's going to have a role and it's going to, it's going to really eat away at some of these Javante Williams owners. And, you know, God forbid Javante Williams should go down with an injury or not play well, then, you know, this team's got aspirations on winning. So Melvin Gordon is a veteran guy who can plug right in there. And, you know, if, if he ever were to, to take on the line share of carries in that offense, you know, look out you would i think you'd absolutely blow up yeah that's an interesting guy to to kind of bring up to where like you know the world of nfl you know you gotta you gotta kind of know that they're competing against another back or even uh, two other backs too so um you know I, I was like a little iffy you know when we had our first free agency um you know over by cells like i wasn't too high on gordon but i do it, it is interesting that they did resign him same off you know same same team and everything um, I do think that those roles kind of reverse where he was a starter last year, but I think Javante starts, but like to your point, um, I think Melvin's still going to get a lot of carries. Um, it may be almost opposite to where, like, if you were a Melvin Gordon owner last year and it kind of made you mad every time Javante scored, it might be in like reverse this year where I think they're both going to score. They're still going to put up numbers, but it's a little, like, I'm a little iffy over like, who's going to get the the ball and win? Like, it, it, I don't think either one of them is going to be the goal line back. I think it's just, like, depending on, like, the flow of the offense and, you know, maybe just reps and stuff. Um, it's – I think they both – as you – I think they both have good opportunities to score. So, he's one where, yeah, some owners may, like, kind of puke hearing his name. But, yeah, to your point, he's probably still going to get some production. But my challenge with thinking about it is, like, win and then it is 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 it going to switch now is Devontae going to be starter or is it going to be melvin for sure and I, I definitely hear where you're coming from on that and he um you know this isn't a guy you're going to build your team around for the for the long run at 29 years old but i think he's dropped in in value enough where i'm comfortable sending out a mid to late second round pick in, in this year's draft to to grab a guy like a melvin gordon who might give me two years of, of solid production with that upside, if, if Williams were to go down, that he could really help. Um, the other side of this coin that we haven't really touched on yet is, you know, I, I think a lot of people are projecting him back in Denver, but he is still on the free agent market. Um, he's not, he's not re-signed back to Denver for the 2022 season. So there is a chance that he lands somewhere else. I think, uh, he, oddly enough, he actually fired his agent this week. 
Oh, that's right. I did. I did hear that. I, thank you. <laughs> Which, you know, three weeks into the free agency process isn't the most uh, appealing thing. <laughs> the, word on, the word on the street is that he has, he's mulling over a, a few different offers. Um, you know, he still, he still, he references himself as, as, as being young, which, you know, a 29 year old running back, maybe you're saying that because you want to hang around, but it sounds like he, he has aspirations on being more than just, just a, you know, a, a part-time player here who comes in to, to spell a, a bell cow running back, uh, you know, which is what you want to hear if you're a dynasty owner, which is why I think the time to go after a guy like this is right now where he's not on a team. And even if you were to land and, you know, we mentioned the, the Atlanta Falcons earlier, you know, that's not projected to be a overly high scoring offense this year by any means. But you know, Melvin Gordon's skill set is one where if he were to go to a, a bad team for a little bit more money, you know, he'd be the focal plan of the offensive game plan every single week where they would want to run the ball with him. And he's also a capable enough pass catcher that he's shown in his career that, you know, when, when those bad teams are inevitably in those game flow situations that work against them, that he doesn't need to come off the field. You know, he's not your a Mike Davis type where he's in between the t- uh, tackles thumper here. Um, and it, throughout his career, he came into the league in 2015. Um, he's actually had four seasons in which he's recorded uh, at least 40 receptions. So, you know, and, and part of that is him splitting work with guys like Javante Williams last season or guys like Austin Eckler in the last, his last couple of years there with the Chargers. Um, so I think if this guy, he gets enough run, even if he's in, you know, not the highest scoring offense in the, in the league. I still think he can maintain some value for your fantasy league in the short term. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And then, you know, maybe it's one to just keep your eye on where like, um, depending if he does go somewhere other than Denver, you know, he would be a top handcuff, you know, too, where, you know, if there is a clear starter, he'd be, a you know, there's not as many great handcuffs out there anymore where maybe, you know, if you have that starter, he may be a great one to just pick up because, you know, it could be a plug and play where if you're, if the starter goes down and he's named, you know, the, the RB one, um, then yeah, he's, he's also in a great position to still, you know, pick up that pace too. So it could, I, I could see where it could work at a couple different favors for you. If you go the Melvin Gordon route. Um, but yeah, it, it, I am interested to see where, where he ends up, um, you know, at the end of this free agency. Yeah. It's always a fun time of year when these, uh, these guys move around monthly to different spots or, you know, maybe you can try to project them going back to their, you know, where, where they, where they came from, but you know, it, it does create buying opportunities on, on guys like this. And uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in our upcoming posts for, you know, good veterans to buy at this time of year, you know, heading into the, the draft season. Okay. All right. Um, well, that's awesome. So like, that's a, that's a good, you know, good kind of overview of the, of the article, you know, for all of you out there, you know, make, make sure to, you know, check it out if you want to read a little more about, you know, what we're talking about with these old guys and and uh, uh, younger younger guys out there. Um, I know, so I mentioned earlier that, you know, Carmen is on vacation, so we're, we're going to have you back next week, too. We got another fun um, topic. I know, I know you're very particular over how you wanted to word this, where uh, we're going to talk rebuilding in, in Dynasty and, and how to rebuild and, and different you know, different strategies um, in, in rebuilding, re, rebuilding. So I think that's going to be eye-opening for a lot of people. Um, I'm ex- definitely excited to, to hear your point of view, point of view with those. Cause I know, I know you've, uh, you know, being a, you know, pretty experienced in the dynasty world, you, you've had a, a time or two where, where you've had a team you've had to rebuild. Yeah. I, I could, I could talk rebuilding all day long and I'm glad I'll be able to touch on that subject. 
uh, you know, and a lot of depth next week. But yeah, definitely a lot of avenues to explore with 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 a good rebuild. And I, I'm looking forward to to going through with you next week. Awesome, awesome. Well, thanks, Commission. You know, I like like I said, uh, thanks again for joining joining the team. I'm 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 excited to bring you on air whenever you're available, and then also you know excited to the content you know adding it to the to our newly made website you know a, a lot of a lot of great articles yet to come i i imagine yeah absolutely really happy to be here um i've been involved with fantasy for a long time so it's it's great to get uh bring some of this info out to the world all right awesome all right so until next week we're going to talk rebuilding uh kind of recap uh, recap, see how Carmen did and his MMA picks. Uh, in the meantime, check out our new Sunday Surefire uh, website. That's sundaysurefire.com. Um, and we got shirts. That's the last surprise I got too. So check out Repa Shirt. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm in love with the parlay all day, parlay all night. You know, I had some fun, uh, fun time designing those those shirts. So pick up a shirt. Uh, but until then, peace out.